Fanny J. Crosby is one of the most uh, prolific hymn writers of the 19th and 20th centuries. She is credited with having authored more than 8,000, some say 9,000 gospel songs. It was a lot of songs that she's credited with. What's interesting about Fanny J. Crosby, though, is that she was blinded at six weeks old due to some kind of negligence on uh, the part of her doctor. But even though she lived with that for all of her life, blindness, uh, that didn't hinder her from having a faith, a strong and very robust faith in Jesus. And it didn't hinder her from being able to see through the eye of faith the cross of Jesus Christ. The cross was actually a central theme in many of Fanny Crosby's hymns, and we sing many of them. But probably there's there's a hymn that it's never more front and center at than the hymn that she wrote in 1869, the hymn, Jesus, Keep Me Near the Cross. And if you'd like to open up your songbook to song number 154, we'll be looking at the words of that song here in just a moment. This song is one of her most enduring and one of most uh, her most beloved hymns. And oftentimes this song is used as a song to help prepare our minds before we partake of the Lord's Supper. And certainly that's a very appropriate place to sing it. But really this is a song that is fitting for any occasion. It is never a wrong time to sing about and to think about Jesus and what He did for us on the cross. I should say though that this is one of those songs, and there are a few of these, This is one of those songs that some people have criticized because they say and they believe that it it venerates the cross itself. As if the, the wooden beams, the actual wooden beams that Jesus carried and then and then Simon of Cyrene had to help carry it the rest of the way, the wooden beams that his hands and his feet were nailed to, the wooden beams that then hoisted his body up above the earth. That that cross itself, that physical structure, that somehow by singing songs like this, that it exalts the actual structure itself. It holds it up almost like it's an idol. Well, let me just say this evening that if you sing this song or any other song about the cross, I think about the hymn, The Old Rugged Cross. If you sing this song and in your mind, The cross itself is being glorified as some kind of a sacred object that is holy in and of itself and that it is deserving of of worship and glory in and of itself. Then stop doing that. Stop that. That's on you. Because I believe that the hymn writer of this song and the hymn writer of many of these songs about the cross, that's not what they intended. They did not intend to hold up the cross as an object of veneration and worship. And I certainly don't believe that Fanny Crosby intended for us to sing this song or for anybody to sing it and to turn the cross into an idol. Rather, when we sing about the cross in this song or the old rugged cross or any number of other hymns, it is a literary device known as metonymy. And metonymy is simply where you take a thing... And that thing is then substituted to represent some other thing or some other person or some other concept. If I say, he's a suit, then what I mean by that is I mean he's a business executive. If I say, he spends a lot of time down at the track, what I mean is is I mean he spends a lot of time down at the horse races. And in this particular instance, in this song, the cross is being used in a metonical sort of way. It's being used as a figure for, actually it's being used as a figure for several things. So for example, look at the first verse. Verse 1, Jesus, keep me near the cross, 
There, a precious fountain free to all, a healing stream flows from Calvary's mountain. In verse 1, this author wants us to think about how the cross represents the means and the mechanism by which God's plan for man's salvation was accomplished. You stop and think about it, God could have chose some other means to bring about His purposes. God could have chose some other method that that sacrifice would come to pass. That the death of His Son could have happened by, by a sword. Or it could have happened by a bow and arrow. Or a bullet from a gun. But God chose a cross. He chose that as the instrument by which Jesus would die upon. And as a result, that fountain of cleansing, that fountain of forgiveness, that fountain of healing that Zechariah had prophesied about in Zechariah 13 and verse 1, that it was made possible through that. And I don't know about you, but I know for me that anytime I see a cross, whether somebody's wearing a cross on a, on a gold chain around their neck, or I'm seeing something on television and an image of a cross pops up, I'm reminded about Jesus. I know people out in the world, they see a cross and maybe they think of something entirely different. But I know for me, and I think for those of us who are the children of God, we're reminded about the Lord. We're reminded about what He did for us on that cross. Furthermore, verse 2. Near the cross, a trembling soul, love and mercy found me. There, the bright morning star, He sheds His beams around me. I think this second verse talks about how the cross serves as an emblem as a direct expression of God's divine mercy and love and grace toward us. At the table this morning, Cody read from Ephesians chapter 2 that speaks in great detail about God's great love for us, how He was rich in mercy toward us, and how He saved us by His grace. And if ever, at any point in my life, if ever I am caused to, to question the love of God or to doubt the love of God, The cross of Jesus Christ stands there as a constant and perpetual reminder that yes, He does. I needn't ever second guess His love for me. The cross stands for all time as that symbol. Verse 3. Near the cross, O Lamb of God, bring its scenes before me. Help me walk from day to day with its shadow o'er me. I really love this particular verse. Because this verse says that the cross provides us with really the motivation that we need to walk step by step with God every day. You know, why should I refuse and say no to temptation? Why should I push sin away and get that out of my life? Well, because of what Jesus did for me on the cross, that's why. Why should I try to walk in that narrow path, that very restrictive path that is hard and difficult at times? Well, because of what Jesus did for me on the cross. Why should I put in, as we talked about this morning, why should I put in that hard work to grow in Christ Jesus and to be more like Him? Well, because of what He did for me on the cross. When we do good works, when we walk in the footsteps of Jesus, we're not doing that because we think somehow we're going to repay the Lord for what He did. We're not doing that because we think we're somehow going to earn our way into heaven. No, we'll never be able to do that. We are simply responding out of love. Ephesians 5 verse 2 talks about that we're walking in love and we're walking in the same loving and sacrificial way that the Lord patterned for us so long ago when He died on the cross. And then verse 4. Near the cross, I'll watch and wait 
hoping and trusting ever until I reach that golden strand just beyond the river. This fourth verse says that the cross really serves as kind of our pointer, that arrow that is always directing us to heaven. It was, of course, at the cross that Jesus gave us the hope of salvation. And as long as I'm keeping that at the forefront of my mind, at the forefront of everything I say, everything that I think, everything that I do, then that means I'm always going to be headed in the right direction. That's never going to steer me wrong. In fact, the chorus even adds a fifth layer to all of that because the chorus points out that the cross is really the very source and the very reason for our glory. The chorus says, in the cross, in the cross... Be my glory ever, till my raptured soul shall find rest beyond the river. You know, sometimes people, I think, misinterpret Christian joy. They see a Christian that's got some joy and some confidence about them. And they mistake that for for arrogance and smugness and haughtiness. As if somehow the fact that we know where we're going to go for all of eternity, as if somehow that means that we're, we're better than everybody else. Do you know what? The only reason that we're even able to have that joy and to have that confidence and to have that kind of cause for rejoicing is because of what the Lord did for us at the cross. That's where our boasting comes from. In fact, the verse there at the top of the page, you'll notice that's what Paul says. Galatians 6 verse 14, God forbid that I should glory save for in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. If it wasn't for the cross, we'd have nothing. I'd I'd be nothing. I'd be a nobody. I would have no grounds for celebration of any kind. I'd have no reason for, for hope in the future, let alone joy even in the present. And so, hopefully what our plea is the same plea that Fanny J. Crosby had when she wrote this song. Our plea is, Lord, don't ever let me forget what happened at the cross. Keep it vivid. Keep it real to me. Help me to keep it at the forefront each day. Lord, keep me near the cross. Now, that all, I think, goes down pretty smoothly. That all is pretty easy for, I think, most of us in this room to digest. And we would say, yes, absolutely. Amen to all of that. Can I challenge you and push you with just one little something before we extend the invitation of the Lord? Think about this idea of being near the cross. And think about that the day that Jesus was crucified on that Friday morning into that afternoon. On that day, there were lots of people there near the cross, right? Wasn't just Jesus just up on a cross all by himself. There was lots of people who were physically, literally near the cross. But it didn't do everybody any good. For example... In John the 19th chapter, we're told about some soldiers who were near the cross. John 19, 23 and 24. Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, they took his garments and they made four parts. Each soldier a part, and also the tunic. Now the tunic was without seam, woven from the top in one piece. And they said therefore among themselves, let's not tear it, but cast lots for it as to whose it shall be. That the scripture might be fulfilled which says, They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Therefore, the soldiers did these things. It's difficult for me to picture this particular scene in my mind. Not because I can't picture it, but because it's just hard for me to imagine that people 
would act this way. That right above them, overhead, there's a man hanging, dying, bleeding, in, in absolute torture. And here they are, gambling for the garments while the Lord hung upon the cross. They're playing games, throwing dice, or however it is that they went about doing that, eagerly being the ones to jump in there and to grab their winnings. To the soldiers, that day was just another Friday. And Jesus to them was, he was just another criminal. He wasn't really anybody. And I think about that, and I think about, they were right there. They were seeing the Lord die for their sins. And they were within what? Just a few feet? Seeing that, they could have reached up and touched Jesus. And the fact that they were near in proximity didn't do them any good in the long run. I wonder sometimes, I wonder, could we possibly ever be like those soldiers? Maybe be more like them than we would care to admit? That we are, metaphorically, we're near the cross, but in a way, we're very far from Jesus. We're far from really seeing Him. Really engaging in a real relationship with the Lord. Maybe we're just blinded by our own just hubris. And so we pursue all kinds of foolish and silly things. Much like the Pharisees who, yeah, those guys, they were always near the cross in the sense that they were always near Jesus. But because of how they viewed Jesus, it kept them from seeing what they really needed to see. That He was their Savior. And He's exactly what they needed to fix all of the problems and the things that were wrong with them in their life. They were only able to just see what was in front of them. They were only able to see those soldiers. They were able to see a wooden cross. Able to see some clothes down on the ground. It was just another Friday at work for those folks. Little did they know that shortly thereafter, just a couple of days later, that guy who would eventually die on that cross... He would arise from the dead. He would arise from that tomb, triumphant over death. And as a result, that would then signal the victory that would be made possible for all who would place their faith and their trust in Him. When we sing this song, Jesus, keep me near the cross, let's sing it with the intention that we're going to draw closer to Jesus. That that's what we want. We want to draw closer to His example of living. His example of loving. His example of what a child of God ought to be to a real relationship with the Father and to the wonderful blessings that come through obedience to Him. If you're not a Christian this evening, it may very well be that you are standing at a distance from the cross. You are far away from Jesus. The good news is tonight, you can rectify that. All of that can be changed. You can come to the cross. Come to Jesus to find the cleansing and the healing that is found there through the shedding of His precious blood. If we can help somebody tonight to confess their faith in Jesus as God's Son, to repent and turn away from sin, and then to be baptized in water for the remission of those sins as Acts 2 and 38 teaches, then we stand ready to assist you in doing just that. Brother or sister, it's a good opportunity for us to think about, are we really near the cross? And by that I mean, are we really near to Jesus in our relationship to Him. If we're not, let's fix that tonight. Let's repent. Let's be determined and dedicated that we're going to serve Him in a better way from this day forward. If we could encourage you, pray for you, help you in some way to do just that, then we stand ready to assist you as well. Whatever your need may be, why don't you just make it known by coming to the front while we stand and while we sing.